Morning, Sandra. How are you doing? Morning, Nin. I'm really well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. How's lockdown treating you? <sighs> Lockdown's okay. It's okay. We're, we're all safe and well, which is the main thing. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed it won't be too much longer. How about yourself? Yeah, we're okay. We're a house full of four, but um, I suppose it's better to be a house full of four than just sat on your own. Um, exactly. So yeah. I think I think we've got to think we're lucky, even though sometimes it feels a little bit crowded. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so this is exciting. Yes. Our first the debut. Podcast. Absolutely. So Nin and Sandra discuss on the sofa all things governance, risk, and compliance. Great. Where are we going to start? We have so many things to choose from. Well, I think probably a really obvious thing is the new cybersecurity rules and guidance that the Commission has just issued. But before we do that, I think, um, let me introduce you. Go My on. friend, Sandra <laughs> Lawrence, the Governance Risk and Compliance Specialist. And I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm going to call it GRC. It's too much of a mouthful. So you are a GRC encyclopedia, in my view. You've worked in the compliance industry since 1999. So you must have been one of the first compliance sort of individuals, really, when, when the Rainbow Book was out and, 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 the, and Guernsey was taking sort of baby steps, really, into the compliance world. And how old were you then? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was actually 1998, the summer of 1998, and I was 15 years old when I had started my first job in the finance industry. So, yeah, I have been around for, for a while. <laughs> um, yeah, and I've, I've had the, the pleasure, really, of watching the industry grow from, as you say, the, the infamous rainbow book of, of basic guidance to, to where we are today and, and, you know, where we're heading as well into the future. So it's been a real privilege. Um, and I suppose I, I ought to introduce you as well, then, to those, those listeners out there who may not already know you. Um, you are a recognised contentious regulatory specialist, um, and you provide both contentious and non-contentious representation and advice. Um, and that's quite a, quite a lot of uh, a range of matters you, you advise on, then, isn't it? You sort of financial crime, economic sanctions, regulatory investigations and, and prosecutions and, and everything in between. Um, and you also had a career at the GFSC, didn't you? you? You spent some time there a while ago. I did, yeah. I spent eight years at the GFSC and that's when I, um, I worked in the banking division. Um, it was uh, before there was an enforcement division. So um, each division sort of was responsible for a broad remit. And that's where I studied my law degree. So yeah, yeah I, I had a good time at the GSSC. Amazing, yeah. And, and you, um, you're also a Chambers and Partners ranked individual, aren't you, Nin? And, and as I understand, you're probably too, uh, far too modest to say this, but you, you were the only lawyer identified in Guernsey as an associate to watch in 2020. Well, thank you for picking that up. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely, something to be proud of. And you are regularly invited to speak at local conferences, and and you uh, you regularly write articles as well. And I, I always particularly love your articles, Nin. You always put your your own stamp on them and, and make them really interesting and, and useful to read. So, uh, yeah, so there we go. Oh, That's us. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So you know, let's kick off with the cybersecurity rules now. They've been in the making for a little while. Um, 
And, and it's probably fair to say that we started around about the same time as Jersey were thinking about these. And I know that sort of one of your big passions is delving back and having a look at how things have evolved. So let me hand over to you and to explain that bit. Yeah, absolutely. You're quite right. In 2016, both the GFSC and the JFSC started out with them with really quite informal guidance. And, and the GFSC in particular it was a, a sort of half page article, um, which was mostly just links to other other sort of industry bodies or, or cybersecurity mm. bodies. Um, then in 2018, the, the local GFSC, they published a, a, a sort of information pack for directors I, I believe that's what they called it um, and they pointed everybody to the national cyber security center or the ncsc um, mm. and they strongly recommended that boards had a look at their 10 steps to compliance as, as they were called and and they were very very helpful a very sort of logical um sort of consolidation of matters that boards should really think about at that time and then i think as it became clearer to all of us that this was a, a an increasingly important matter and we were seeing more and more high-profile cybersecurity attacks. Um, the Commission conducted a thematic in 2019. Um, as a result of that thematic, it became very clear that the industry were actually quite welcoming of a set of rules and guidance just to, mm. to help everybody really move in the right direction. So that resulted in the consultation, as you say. So that, that um, was last year. And then earlier this month in February 2021, the new rules and guidance were released. So um, sort of, to be fair, I think in, in a relatively short period of time, in five years, we've gone from a half a page guidance note really to, to where we are today, which I think is superb. Yeah. Absolutely, I completely agree, and I think I think we saw this coming. And um, we spoke about it quite a lot last year. We we spoke to key clients about it. We we spoke sort of publicly at forums and seminars and things like that. Um, and I think one of the things that sort of made us, if if it's the right word, it made us happy when we saw the draft. It looked very much like the handbook. Obviously. Um, a lot more slimmed down the hat that the AML handbook um, has got a lot in it and um, the cyber rules are on you this is our baby steps or the commission's baby steps into to thinking about these things um, but it was they've established the, the rules as a principle based rules and um, framework um, and when you look at it, it looks very much like the handbook. You've got the red boxes with the rules in and then the guidance sitting underneath what to do. And I think that makes them user friendly um, for the firms who, who need to basically drill down and, and understand what's required of them from a regulatory perspective. And I think that's been very useful. Um, yeah, I agree. There's a there's a familiarity of of these with the handbook, and of course the new fiduciary rules and guidance as well. So I agree, it's they're very user friendly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we could see these coming. It wasn't an if they come; it was when they come. Um, so here they are. And so my question to you: I mean, clearly you've been warming your clients up and getting them ready for for implementing the rules and guidance when they arrived and. And there is a six month run in to do this, but actually six months isn't very long at all. Um, regardless if you're big or small, it, you've got a lot to do between now and August. So I guess my question to you, Sandra, uh, 
on the ground, if you could pull your dream team together um, in terms of getting that framework set up in the firms, who would that be and why? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, and, you know, the, this initial response to the rules and guidance is really going to be about your systems and controls and making sure that they are appropriate and, and proportionate for your business. So I think my dream team, notwithstanding that firms of a different size may not have all of these roles as, as different individuals, I think I would I'd have a board representative there, um, someone from the IT team or if IT services were outsourced, then a representative from that outsourced firm. Um, I'd be looking at compliance and risk, most definitely, and, and operations as well. I think that that would be the dream team for sort of in the initial response to these new rules and guidance. Absolutely. I think that's a, a great team if, if you're the size to pull it together. The board essentially has to have oversight and responsibility for the implementation of the rules and guidance. And I think it's... Um, Fair that the commission haven't required its one specific person on the board it's the board collectively now how do you see the interplay between IT um, and then the broader team who who are going to be needed to be on side to get this really working operationally you know it, it's a big project it is a big project, and I think I've probably got two responses to that, Lynn. One would be, we've already touched on the phrase governance, risk and compliance, or, or GRC. Um, and for me, that's a Venn diagram. You, you need governance, risk and compliance to all work together, whatever the circumstances, you know, whatever matter mm -hmm. it is that you're looking at. Um, but also, I think you're right in terms of IT practitioners. Um, and I often <laughs> compare them to where compliance officers were 20 years ago or, or so um, from where we are today. And I, I, feel, I feel that it's okay to say this as a compliance practitioner myself, but 20 years ago, compliance was sort of shoved in a back room and it, nobody really needed them. Nobody really needed to talk to them um, and then all of a sudden they just found themselves thrust on the agenda of every uh, board meeting they were expected to report to the board attend the meetings um, and they were being challenged and, and it was quite new to them and I think that it took a few years for the industry and, and the individuals within that industry to really um, hone their skills because it, it then became clear that it wasn't just about your technical knowledge that that was important yeah. but that was one part of it actually communication skills became really important um, influencing skills and all the sort of soft skills that compliance has sort of really worked on over the last 20 years mm. or so and I think that that's where IT practitioners are today um, they, you know, they, they literally at times speak a different language. They're, they're speaking coding, you know, so they, they need, um, as an industry, they're also going to have to upskill on their soft skills and, and how they are going to be able to communicate with boards in a meaningful way. You know, they may find themselves challenged on, on matters that they've not been challenged on before. And, and I think um, it's really important for them to recognise that that's healthy challenge and not to become hostile about it, to just you know, recognise what it is that the board need to know and what they need to understand. Really good point. So Sandra, what is your top tip for addressing cybersecurity risk? Now, cybersecurity is just another risk, okay? It's a very important one, granted, but it's another risk. And I think the way that firms measure that risk and, and deal with that risk in terms of how they record it is going to be the same as their anti-money laundering risk, their terrorist financing risk, etc, etc. So I think if firms can really get their 
their risk framework and structured in a manner which allows them to treat cybersecurity risk in the same way as any other risk, make sure that the reporting is correct, that, that it's trustworthy individuals that are reporting in um, the important things for the board that can be challenged, then, then ultimately your, your GRC is working. Um, and then when, if, if well, I think in the world of cyber, unfortunately, it's not if it is when, um, when an attack happens, then you're primed to deal with the situation. Um, and that's really when firms can, it's make or break. That's when they come into their own. If they are prepared and they have a, a really good cybersecurity response um, already ready to go, then actually that can make all the difference with their survival after the event. And I think that, that generally when I sort of look at statistics for this, um, clients will be a lot more sympathetic with firms who have done their very best. I think we all recognize that the world in which we're living at the moment, this is an inevitable consequence of it. You know, it, it's both good and bad, the technology that, that we all live with. Um, so that's the, that really is the crucial sort of, sort of bit, being prepared, um, having your responses ready, being sincere, being honest, apologizing, um, you know, there may be areas where an apology sort of might bring in a legal or, or insurance risk. So obviously take the appropriate advice. But, but those are really the crucial, the crucial bits that you can prepare for. Think about what is your, what's the forum that you're going to use to, to communicate with your clients? If it is LinkedIn, for example, well, who's got the administration password? You know, these, these simple things that you could have ready to go that you don't want to be thinking about when you're in the midst of that crisis. Absolutely. So yeah, let's turn to actually how these um, cybersecurity rules are operating um, and how they're structured. Um, it seems to be, as we said, five core principles. So rules based on five core principles being identify. So identify is the first one. That seems to be around, you know, it, it is what it says on the tin, you know. It's yeah, identifying exactly. what your material risks are. Um, yeah, and, and your material assets. So your, your kind of your systems, your people, your data, um, which will be different to all firms, as we've just said. Yeah, and it's sort of reviewing the impact um, that a cybersecurity event would have on those. And then once you've done that, just kind of judging the appropriate levels of controls and mitigation for your firm, I think, is really important. So that's the first step. And yeah, and this is, hmm. yeah, this is sort of basic risk management, isn't it? And I think it's important yeah. for, um, I think it will help us all deal with these really effectively if we all can just recognize this is risk management. Cybersecurity is just another risk, albeit a very important one, but it's just another risk. And, and if you can get your risk framework working really well and, irrespective of whether you're looking at your money laundering risk or your terrorist financing risk or, or your yeah. cyber risk or, or whatever, if the fundamental principles behind your risk framework are the same, then really you're just slotting this into your almost your, your sausage factory or your, your cycle of, um, of how you assess it. And I, I think that's really important to just define what is your risk management framework, um, which will work for everything. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And then we move down the principles list. So we then got to protect and detect and that seems to be you know that's where you're thinking about establishing your systems and controls and I think it's fair to say that that I just don't think there will be one size fits all um, I think each firm is so unique and so different 
um, but it's going to have to be tailor-made to them. And the balance will be in terms of the size of the firms. As we said before, it will be the size, their reliance on um, tech as opposed to other things. Um, and that will start determining, um, you know, and that's where you need to be thinking of your, your material assets. And that was something that was sort of explored in the feedback, I think. Um, and it, what, yeah. what were material assets? And it was broader than just your systems. It's looking at your data. It's looking at your people and other things, you know, your websites, your payment portals, all of your, your materials that you're posting online, all of those sorts of things as well. Yeah, um, exactly. And every firm will be different. And I think, you know, I think it would be fair to say a lot of firms have kind of bolted on new systems as time's moved on mm. um, without and not because it was anybody's fault, just without any regard to really what that meant. So, you know, a, a good opportunity to step back as well and, and look at what are those systems and, and do they still work for, for the firm in, in the way that they were set up sort of 10, 15 years ago without thinking of this. So almost a good housekeeping exercise, maybe. I think I think that's right. And that point almost sort of takes you back to step one principle and the identify is sort of identifying, you know, it's a good navel gazing exercise. It sort of it forces you to look at what what you have at the moment. Does it does it work right? And and is it, you know, what are the risks and are we protected to the best of our ability um, with the systems and controls that we have? And that's part of that sort of ongoing cycle, and, you know, and the next obvious part of the cycle is the respond and recover. Um, and, and that part really is for me when you're dealing with the breach. So, um, you know, I think you call it the inevitable um, because it's likely to happen. The degree is unknown, but it's likely to happen at some point. And yeah, so I think so in, in the world that, digital age that we all operate in I think it's it's far more realistic to, to think about when not if yeah and, and the proof will be in the pudding at this stage in, in your respond and recover of whether your systems and controls do work as um, you want them to um, and I think this is for me this is you know rightly or wrongly this is the exciting part this is the bit does your multidisciplinary team work properly any firm worth its salt will have established, you know, a nominated person on the board who is likely to be the CEO, um, plus a team closely aligned to them. And it will really depend on what type of breach it is as well. I mean, you know, is it going to be a hack? Is it going to be an external attack of the company? Or is it, you know, something we get excited about? Is, is it an actual insider who has, um, you know, committed crime essentially and, and leaked a load of data? So then we're talking the kind of the Panama Papers, um, the FinCEN files and things like that. And how a firm responds will be quite differently. You know, you may want, if it's an external attack coming in, you may want your staff to be able to access your systems um, at least minimally to be able to provide the service that the firm needs to keep providing while it's dealing with the attack. Whereas if it's 
an insider attack, then you actually may want to completely close off your systems um, so that until you've worked out where the leak has come from and what the issue is. Um, so that that's interesting stuff to me. That's really exciting for me. Um, yeah, I, and I think you're right. And it does depend. And, and the, the, often the difficulty with these situations is that you're in the moment and you're in that crisis. And so you're sort of mm. anything you can do to plan before mm. that happens is one less stress when you're in that moment. So, mm. you know, it's, it's often a good idea to think about, well, who are your key stakeholders? So they are going to be your your regulator, your employees, um, your, your shareholders, law enforcement, for example, and, and really get together a list of, of key stakeholders and what their concern is going to be and therefore you can sort of tailor your communication um, appropriately and, and your insurers as well for example mm. so I think that's it's just so key if you can if you can prepare for something with a, um, a sort of a secure head on if you like or maybe that's not the right terminology but with it with a clear head um, when you're in that crisis it just mm. makes it so much easier to deal with. I think this probably brings us to a natural stopping point We've given our view of the new cybersecurity rules and guidance um, at a high level perspective. I'm sure in the future we'll want to say a little bit more, but I was thinking, Sandra, um, if you think it's a good idea, we could invite Fiona Wilson um, to a future podcast, potentially, to give her um, views on what's happening in Jersey, because I'm sure many of our clients will have offices across both islands and will be interested um, in what's happening there, it, it, not least to try and align uh, their policies and procedures and controls and, and be as commercial as possible about this. What, what do you think? I think that's a great idea. I'd be really interested to hear Fiona's views and sort of welcome any any developments that, that may or may not be going on in Jersey. I think that's a great idea. Get her on the couch with us. Brilliant. OK, lovely. Um, all right. Well, hopefully I'll see you soon and lockdown will be over and we can go for a coffee, a real coffee. Let's hope so, Nin. I look forward to it. All right. See you soon. Bye. Take care. Bye.